And thanks to everyone that prepared for this morning. Uh, it's easy to kind of miss sometimes what goes into getting songs and organising microphones and sound and all that kind of stuff. And what I really love about the church is um, God's in it, so it's amazing. And um, he has this way of weaving threads through everything in our lives. And the people that are listening, you can see it sometimes too. You don't see everything, but everything I've spoken about with everyone this morning and all the songs, everything I can tell that people are actually talking to God, which is a lovely sign, because of all I've heard since I got here is the same message that I'm hopefully going to preach to you guys, um, which is amazing. So thanks, everyone, for everything you do, and, and uh, thanks for making me feel so welcome. It's amazing to come down here and to know that, um, that I've actually got a family here, and I'm not just coming to, to, to talk to people that, are, that, are, that aren't for me or they're against me, that they're people that are for me, um, even though... I don't really know a lot of you. And there's people here that I think I know well, and a bit like Deer and Bandy, we'll know you for 10 years, even though I've only been there five. <laughs> we'll know you for 10 years, and we might see you three times, you'll be my best mate. <laughs> I don't barely even know you, but, but there's a different um, kind of special belonging, and, and um, I certainly feel like here, so thanks for making me welcome. Um, now, I actually haven't finished my palm card, so I just ask that you humour me today, and I might actually be looking down the screen a little bit more than I'd like to, but um, if, you just, um, if I can just ask you to humour that a little bit, and um, we'll make sure that we get this message across. Um, let's pray quickly. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything. Um, thanks for being in control, so we don't have to, but we don't have to stress about it. We love you, and uh, yeah, just guide us today in what we're here, and what I say, and... Um, our lives, Lord, we just ask you to put a hand of protection on this church and um, continue to encourage us, feed us and nurture us. We love you and just thank you so much for everything. In your beautiful name, amen. Rightio, so, probably better read these, eh? So, yeah, welcome. Derek's asked me to talk about the parable of the sower. Um, parable of the sower is found in a number of places, including Mark, Luke um, and Matthew as well. And we're going to take a bit of a closer look at um, Mark in particular for... Uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 34. And I'm actually, <laughs> I'm doing something that I don't like doing. I'm actually going to be talking about a number of different um, chapters and verses. Um, I don't like flitting around, but um, it's important to remember that this does carry over a number of books, um, and there are important pieces of the puzzle in those different books. Um, in a moment, we're going to read Mark 4, 1 together, and then I'm going to kind of go back to the book of Mark and what it's really about. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to read this one to you. It's Mark 4, 1 to 20. I was originally going to get you guys to read it with me, but I thought I'd give you guys a break. And um, I'm going to read it to you so you can really hear it. It's a verse everyone knows and everyone knows really well. It says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they could not bear grain. Still another seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Righto, so I want you to turn to the person next to you, say g'day, and I want you to, once you said g'day, I want you to have a quick yarn, um, what do you reckon that's about, go. 
Oh, it is Sales Creek. Yeah. I forgot you guys had telepathy down here. <laughs> Can hear a few rhubarbs, rhubarbs out there. Righto. Looks like everyone's uncomfortable enough and we're ready to go on, yeah? <laughs> awesome, sweet. So just hold on to that. Like, even if you didn't get a chance to really get it out, just I want you to hold on to what, you, like, what we've what we sort of been living with and we've been, you know, I've got 2,000 years of like Christian um, study and thoughts and meditation. I just want you to hold on that for a second. And um, I'm going to back up. I'm going to go back to look at Matthew really, really quickly just so we understand Jesus' message and just clarify our understanding um, and what I think God's telling us through um, his word. So the book of Mark obviously captures these action-packed events. So it's um, Jesus' ministry. And um, it, it really starts at Jesus' baptism. And it goes through his betrayal, to the cross, to his resurrection, and appearing to the disciples in the end. And Mark captures this beautiful and vivid image of uh, Christ as not only our saviour, but he's the traveller, teacher, servant, sacrifice, and the saviour. Um, and Mark also captures this glimpse, an in-depth um, look, I guess, at God's wisdom in contrast to our lack of wisdom, what we think is our own wisdom. Uh, we've been doing it for thousands of years. Um, and I just really want to, I just want to sort of highlight these kind of two points that as Jesus has travelled, teacher, servant, sacrifice and saviour, and um, God's wisdom and our wisdom and what God's wisdom kind of does to our wisdom and, and why we need to go to him for, for wisdom. It also really focusing in on uh, Jesus' ministry um, and what, what the kingdom of God looks like and what that ministry looks like. Um, so why are we doing this? As I said a moment ago, these concepts are woven throughout Mark and they can't be ignored, um, particularly when we're isolating a uh, little verse. Okay? It's not good to just pick something out um, always, it's really good, important to look at it together and then to maybe pull it apart. So we often struggle to see this simple wisdom accurately. Why? Because in modern times we've been standing on the shoulders of Christian teaching and meditation for 2,000 years. So people have thought all these amazing stuff. There's no doubt that there's complicated things happening in this, in this um, verse, but it's really simple if we cut all the fat away. Okay? And sometimes that fat's our own understanding and our own knowledge and our own pursuit of, of wisdom... Um, which is not wrong, but at first glance, this parable just looks like that. It looks like it's this clear, simple and straightforward with some clever complexities that we all like to, to kind of like ponder on and we feel good about while we're thinking, which is wonderful. Um, but we understand it often in our, in our own wisdom. And so before we really consider Jesus' word and delve into this, we delve into this rabbit hole that spans what seems like eternity, and we've ripped through the entire Bible, the world, human nature, everything that ever has been or will be, before we stumble out on something really simple. Okay, that's the nature of man. We, we, we complicate things. We put things in categories and boxes, and we like to think. We've been given a brain for a reason, and, and um, we use it usually. So I have to admit, when I came to this book... Um, part of the reason why I don't have any um, notes to just read from, I don't have any palm cards, is because I attempted to compress, to compress this 2,000 years of knowledge and understanding as well. And all of the teaching that I had, even before I was a Christian, the stuff that I heard and 
Um, so that's kind of our nature and it's our wisdom as humans, um, if you can call that. But it's a complex nature and we complicate sometimes what's a really simple text. Um, so what's the right thing to do here when we're looking at a text like this? I hope I haven't lost you all yet, but we need to go back to God's word and what he said. So he's spoken to us and it's in that book. It's called the Bible and it's amazing and it's full of this rich rich, rich word and God's really clever and so is Jesus and they sometimes present things to us that aren't always clear at first Um, and quite often it's intentional, particularly when Jesus teaches and preaches in parables. Um, It's intentional that not everyone just picks it up and understands it. I'll come back to that in a minute. But in its most simple form, this parable of the sower, it outlines the story of a farmer that sowed his seed in a paddock, had a combination of past pests, weeds, rocky soil, good soil... Um, for growing crops. Depending on where the seed fell, the growth of the plant was either stunted, stopped, or it thrived. Pretty simple concept. When I read this verse in isolation, when I read it in isolation, by itself, I tend to think about how we as a church receive people. I think that's the teaching that comes out of it, how we teach people, how my heart and walk with God is, what happens as Christians, what happens to Christians that fall away, what happens to Christians that thrive... What happens to the ones that are strangled? And I take it as kind of like a lesson for me and for us. And they suggest that I have this kind of important role to play in God's kingdom and message and how effective it is in this world. Okay, But if I read the parables that follow that first parable, I actually find the truth. I can pull that stuff aside. It's not necessarily wrong, but there's some beautiful, good lessons to take from it. But what Jesus is saying is something slightly different to that. Um, And it says... um, uh, Jesus, sorry, he clearly explains what he really means. We don't even have to, to ponder on it. Jesus says what he means. Um, and he builds on an extended metaphor that actually says something really important to me. It says, relax, mate. <sighs> relax. It's not all on you. It's not all on you. Um, which is the same message that we've, I've heard all morning in prayers and in, in um, songs and in sharing um, the word. Um, God's work's not on us. We often leave these other verses out and we have to make sure we include them first before we leave them out. We've got to understand it before we can break it down. So the, the, what are the verses I'm talking about? Well, Jesus' explanation, number one, to the disciple, what he actually means when he tells the original parable of the sower. How often do we just not even look at that next little bit of red writing in the book? Okay? And then we also, the next thing we do, and when I say we, I'm saying me, if I'm including you in it so I don't feel so bad, but... The next thing we leave out is the parable of the growing seed, and then after that, the parable of the mustard seed, which are all a part of the one, one big long sentence, really. It's part of the same, same chapter. It's part of the same conversation. Um, so I had to go back to Jesus for understanding where to go to find Jesus. So I prayed to him, and I went to his word. He's spoken it, and he's made it for us. Not all of his words are captured there, but Mark really intently and intentionally captures um, parts of his ministry and this is a really clear example of Jesus talking about his way in the world and his kingdom and what it looks like. So if you're like me, don't fret because even the disciples had to go to Jesus for clarification and meaning about the parable of the sower. And they asked, they asked him to explain. Jesus responded telling them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable ripped the guy that spoke the world into existence and was there when it began, 
saying, mate, how do you, you understand this parable? And he says, the farmer sows the word. Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes in and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, take, others like seed sown in rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are Jesus' words. He's telling us how the kingdom can look. Still others, like seed sown amongst the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Okay, all, of us, all of us have got that stuff going on. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So Jesus is really clearly painting a picture of his ministry and how the seeds of ministry sown and grow. The sower sows a seed in faith, throwing the seed, letting it just land wherever. So they're out there. They're not, they're not in a new case they're with a um, plant rig on the back. They've got, they're out there, might have a satchel. I don't know, I imagine a satchel. And they're, throwing, they're just throwing it out there. If I saw them, I'd just be thinking, oh, righto. <laughs> they aren't too picky about where they throw it because they do a great job about getting it out there. But if you look at how they sow from a farmer's perspective or a business perspective, it just looks ridiculous. Seeds land amongst the weeds. They've been let grow in the paddock and around it. They grow the seed on paths and roads. They plant in gravelled high country and a rocky ground. Who does that? But if my father saw someone do this on his land, I reckon he'd probably wring their neck. And then when the crop comes, some of it doesn't grow well or dies, but some of, that was, some of it that was put out there, and some of what was actually put out there grows 30, 60, 100 times what was put out there in the first place. I don't know what your yield is now, but I'll tell you what, if you're walking along like, oh, I even think... Before, I was just about to say, poking a stick in the ground, dropping a seed in and covering it up. They're not even doing that, they're just throwing it on the ground. My understanding is that they, um, they cultivate it after or they um, pushed it, they basically just threw it everywhere and then they come through and kicked up the dirt, basically covered it and then what grew, grew. And in those times, I reckon 30% would probably be a good yield, but they're getting 30, 60, 100 times what was put out in the first place. Now, I'm not saying take this literally, I'm, I'm kind of talking in a literal sense here, but um, don't take it literally when you plant and take a detour down the main street of St George here in your, in your new John Deere, but certainly take it literally when it comes to the figurative side of the story, what um, Jesus is actually saying. And, and when you faithfully speak Jesus' work, truth, and tell everyone, um, tell the annoying fella, not just the nice one, tell the, tell the scary fella. Um, tell it to the, the sheila that makes your blood boil. Dare I say, tell the good people too, the nice ones. Um, the good families, the ones that seem perfect, tell them all. But tell the bad ones and the sad ones and the so-called good-for-nothing ones too. Um, you don't need to conserve yourself where you're throwing the seed. you just got to get it out there. And um, you throw it as well as you can with what you got. That's what they're doing. They're not, like, they're not coming up. They're not using a GPS to track it. They're not, they're not even using markers on, on the end of the paddock or anything. They're going out there and they're throwing it. There's paths going through the crop. Because that's how they live. They walk, they had roads and things going through their crops and fields and 
They're just throwing it everywhere, and then they're like, you might kick up a bit of dust over top of it, and then there's this amazing growth. They did not concern at all whatsoever where they put it, but they, what they do is they do a really good job of getting it out. After this, Jesus continues to build on the disciples' understanding because he knows they don't fully understand. And he goes on with the parables. So the next parable he says is, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Righto. So that can be a pretty confusing one sometimes. But imagine you could actually see the radius and light emanating through Christ or through people from Christ, right? So you looked at a Christian and you could like see this light coming out as bright as daylight. And when it, the light hit you, you could hear this amazing sound. like Jesus without words. Everywhere you went. Imagine this light just hitting people. When, you, when it hit you, you saw and heard Jesus, right? Imagine that. Imagine everywhere you went, everywhere you go, all the people you see every day when you go and fill up your fuel and go to the servo and go to your friend's place or you walk past that pillow on the street or you see that Sheila down there and blah, blah, blah. All Everywhere you go every day. Imagine those faces. I want you to think about those faces because I want you to imagine that the Holy Spirit is visually like a torch. You see it in the daylight. And when you hit people with it, they're seeing Jesus. Would you hide it from anyone? Would you drive down the street and see that fella and be like, oh, I won't let it hit him. I'm not, I'm not going to let him see Christ. Or would you pull up at Smoko and there's that fella or Sheila sitting across from you and you're like, you don't let it hit him so that they, don't, they won't see the glory of God. Is that what you do? No, you wouldn't do it. So they wouldn't hear the gospel and they wouldn't be a part of the bountiful harvest if we were keeping it from them. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this verse. He's saying, um, what's hidden, so don't hide your faith, it's meant to be disclosed and whatever's concealed must be brought out into the open. And we're called to do that in other places in the Bible in a, in a particular way and to season our words with salt. So we're supposed to be loving and caring when we do it. We're not just like throwing Jesus stickers on everyone's cars and faces and hearts and minds and lives. Um, but we're called to, to listen to Christ and you listen through the Holy Spirit and to God about the right time, right place. But we're not ashamed and we're not hiding it. We're not keeping it. We're letting that light blast out onto people and um, it's amazing because God doesn't even need us to be a part of it. We're just joyed or blessed. We say blessed all the time. It's our Christian, crash, Christian catchphrase. Like, well, blessed, da 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 da, I say it all the time. But it's like I'm filled with joy to be a part of God's plan and to be used in that. Okay, it's a, it's a, he doesn't need me. He does it intensely, includes me. Why? Because it does something amazing for me. Why? Because it's a, my daddy, my Abba, the, the creator of all that ever was and ever will be, that spoke the world in existence, has included me in something he doesn't even need me for. What a joy. Why would we want to hide that from anyone? Jesus goes on and he says, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, 
It'll be measured against you and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Wow. When I first read this, it sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? But if we consider, it sounds scary when we, if we consider that Jesus might be talking about attitude or faith or fruits of the Spirit, or dare I say salvation, being measured out to us based on what we've measured out to others. But I think that's out of context. That's not what Jesus is saying. When we look at it in context, we, revert, we refer back to verse 11, which I haven't put up intentionally for you, is where Jesus explained why he even talks in parables. And he said, the mystery of the kingdom of God, so the mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. He's talking to the disciples. Okay? But those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but not understanding. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the answer now when we're away from everyone else, but when everyone else is there, I'm speaking in parables so that they don't understand it. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Well, that sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Mystery here means what was hidden is now revealed. So when Jesus is saying the mystery or the kingdom of heaven is revealed to those who believe, who's that Christians, but concealed from those who reject Christ and his gospel. So it's pretty straightforward. If you're a Christian, you understand. When I became a Christian, when God came into my um, life, why? Because I allowed him. Because I rejected him, rejected him, rejected him, rejected him from a little boy all the way into, I was about 28, I think it was. 25 maybe um, I'd rejected Christ and I didn't hear him and when and I actually read the Bible and I, I hated Christians I didn't like him and, and I was reading the Bible for ammunition I thought I'd all tweaked and worked out I understood oh yeah yeah yep big horn right dividing tent some with big booming voice with some kind of like amplifying device on the other side yeah tricked him really good really good um, isolation and sick and it's for the better of the people it's good good we don't need religion uh, I don't need God. And that, that's how I was my whole life. But when God rocked me, bang, all of a sudden, I'm like, I didn't need anything. I didn't need any of the black text. I read, got to the New Testament. I'm literally reading the red, the red words and then reading the black in between. And the red words and the black in between. And then I just went red, 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 red. And then read the stuff contextually in between. And I had this amazing, um, this amazing hunger that was fulfilled and it was fed by Jesus and, and, and his word and uh, through the word and through his spirit. And um, I understood. It's like a veil was lifted. I understood the Bible in a way. I had never understood it before. And so what he's saying here, I'll read it again. He says, um, the, kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is revealed to those who believe, to Christians, but concealed from those who reject Christ. Why? Well, because they're not working with him. So don't understand his language. So you don't understand the gospel without Christ and the spirit in you. Okay, in the same way as you do if you don't. But he goes on further in what sounds like he's keeping the gospel message from people so they won't turn and believe. So it's like, it almost sounds like he's picking people who are good to get the message. Is that how God works? So you're just picking out the ones he thinks are the crackers and he's like, yeah, come on. Get over here, mate. But it, the truth is it's not that it's, and it's far from that. 
Okay, this is a reference. This is a reference to Isaiah in 6, 9 to 10, where God commissions Isaiah. And God says, these are God's words, God says to Isaiah to go out to his people. And it wasn't a command for the people, but God was actually foretelling what they were going to do. It's the same words, okay? Because they had heard God's message for so long, they'd seen his works and nothing happened spiritually. They shut their hearts off and they didn't listen. They won't learn or change their ways. So God withdrew from spood feeding them so that they are as unable as they were unwilling to hear his message or to understand it. So you're only as able as you are willing. So the original verse in Isaiah is pretty serious. So have a listen to this. This is what, this is what the reference is to in the very end. It sounds like God's saying, oh, um, I don't want those people to be turned, but he's not saying that. The reference here is, I'll read the verse to you. So it says, tell this to the people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. So he's not commanding them to do this. He's, he's foretelling what they're going to do and what they're doing. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. It's kind of like the closest thing to sarcasm. I don't understand... Um, the society at that time as well as I'd like to, but to me it almost sounds like I can't quite put a hand on it, but he's saying, tell them, tell them to do this stuff or they might actually turn and be healed. And it's like this black humour, this kind of sarcasm where he's saying all they've got to do is turn their hearts and listen and they'll be healed. Isaiah said, lest they should turn and be healed. So the unbelievers don't want to turn from their sin. Simple as that. I didn't. I think I heard Jesus talking to me. Well, I did but through a lot of noise that I was making. Jesus is saying otherwise. If they did, they wouldn't be unbelievers. They just turned to him, they wouldn't be unbelievers anymore. So he welcomes all and he wants all of us and he died for all of us, not one or two of us, not just the chosen ones. So really, this is kind of a side note on a larger teaching. So Jesus kind of is explaining why he's talking in parables, which is why this can be difficult to understand. Um, He's talking in parables and he's explaining it and he kind of goes back to his main message. He's talking about the intentional revelation of the truth in a complex way to allow the truth to be viewed over time with growth and understanding as a Christian. So as we obey and we seek Jesus and his wisdom and we develop as Christians and so do our understandings of the message. I read some stuff, I'm like... You know, I read it five years ago and I did a full study, made up my mind, blah, 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 went on. Come back, it's like, bang, man, holy smokes. I understand it in a totally new way. Why? Because in that time I've matured as a Christian and God's revealed more understanding. You didn't just go, bing, understand everything. In time, it's revealed to us. And he's speaking intentionally in parables, not just for them, but also for us. So Jesus go on, goes on with two more parables and we have to hear them to fully understand his message. And I've I appreciate you guys being so patient um, because there's there's a lot here. But Jesus continued to explain the kingdom of heaven, how it works and what it looks like. And he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalks, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, 
whether he sleeps or gets up, doesn't matter what he does, it's going to do its thing. The seeds sprout and grow. He doesn't know how. I'm sure if I ask any farmer or agronomist, they'd be able to tell you how seed grows, right? Anyone? Yeah, I reckon anyone, anyone that lives out bush would probably tell you a fair bit about how seed grows in a plant. In fact, I'll guarantee you, most of them wouldn't waste any time telling you all of man's wisdom. But all we're really doing is repeating something thousands of other people, much smarter than, than we are, figured out over the last few thousand years. That's a little bit of human wisdom. But we're really just describing a process, not what makes it all work and how it works. Same can be said of a successful ministry. Plenty of people try and tell you how to have a ministry in churches, how your sermon's supposed to happen, look, and what you're supposed to do when you're at the front, and what a good Christian husband is, and Christian wives, and how to be a successful Christian business owner, and the list goes on. Everyone will tell you how to be successful, how to be better, that you should do this or that. We're really good at critiquing, even those that we're supposed to love and serve will even talk behind their backs. But the truth is, if we really knew, we'd be making our own seeds and planting them. It's the same thing with our ministry. Who has ever made a seed? I don't mean like a little like paper mache seed. I mean, who here has ever made a seed that will grow and bear fruit and does what it does and actually intended to do from scratch? Anyone? None of us have. We know nothing. Man, that's so comforting. It is so good. So comforting. Because can you imagine if your livelihood relied on you making wheat to harvest it from scratch or chickpea or cows? Jesus said the kingdom of God doesn't require me to know this. I don't need to know any of that stuff. And that night and day, no matter what I do, as long as I faithfully sow the seed of the kingdom, the word of God, they'll sprout and grow. I just got to turn up. That's all I've got to do. I come. God says, sow the seed. I'll sow the seed. I just feel like an idiot. I'm out there throwing it everywhere. Goals on good ground, bad ground, rocky ground, hilly ground. Man, I'm throwing it up in the air. I'm just getting it out. I'm really just getting it out. I'm like, give me another bag. Get it out there. All right? But I don't, I'm not worried about anything else I just faithfully sow the seed that's my job God said do it right okay thanks mate I'll do it anything else I don't worry about it just I've got it okay cool sweet I don't even need to worry about how entertaining my sermon is how amazing my band is whether I have the hottest most popular message whether I'm of the newest hottest Christian movement why because if I faithfully sow the seed the fruit will bear 30 60 100 times hundred times what I put out. I put 10 seed. What's 100 times 10? Hey, it's a fair bit of seed. It's a good start. But what if I put out a million tonnes of seed? Well, I'm getting 100 times that back. doesn't even make sense. Sometimes I get one plant from one seed. I get 100 fold out of it. And all I have to do is turn up. doesn't even matter if I'm good at turning up. I might be late. I'm one of those people that's always running in with the books and stuff, hanging out in the tile all mess and tile, a bit like me coming in and putting all this stuff up. I don't even have to be good at turning up. God will use it if I turn up. God knows how to use it. He knows how to save people. 
Jesus does too. So has the Holy Spirit and he lives in us, thankfully. And I get to enjoy the fruit of it all. Yeah, I'm blessed to be a part of something that God doesn't even need me for. Yeah, I have a joy for being included. I was a scumbag. God came in and said, mate, you'll do. Mm. Yeah, none of you want to none of you'd want to know me before God. And I'm still the same person, but it's just God has this amazing power. He has a spirit that lives in me, so I've got this imperfect vessel and he's got this perfection that lives inside me. I can't claim anything for it, but he he battles my flesh. It's his power that enables me to battle my flesh daily. Same with you. We're all we're all in the same bag. I'm, I'm joyed to be a part of that because he loves me and he uses me. It's not always easy. I'll be the first one to tell you that. He doesn't need me for any of it. I'm seeing this harvest in this life and the next. Okay, Christians, people that know God, people that live with God and Jesus Christ, they know him. I'm part of that. I'm useless. and I'm a part of it and I get to enjoy it. Why? Why do I get to enjoy it? Jesus says, grain's ripe. We put a sickle to it. Why do we put a sickle to it? Because the harvest has come. So we're here to help collect it. We're just told to go out and collect it. We're told to go out and throw it out. God does everything else. That's, for me, um, an amazing relief. If I thought that a successful ministry meant I had a hundredfold fruit all the time, I'd be broken. And I've, I've had Bible studies that went on for years with one person. It was really awkward. It was really hard sometimes. It was really personal. And, but God said, turn up. He said, go. He didn't say it has to be big. He says, in fact, you know, some will yield 30%. We know that. We don't have no shame if we only have 30% crop. The whole crop gets smashed by a hailstorm. It's no shame on us. We don't, it's not about us. It's about what God's doing. So the truth is, God's big and I'm small. I'm nothing. I'm nothing in this picture. I'm smaller than a tiny jot, a tittle. A little spot in a canon of books that's barely noticed. But guess what? It's all I need. I don't need anything else. I don't even need to be good at it. I might be half a jot. I'm not even a full, full stop. Right? I might be where the press on the printer has malfunctioned. It's run out of ink and I'm a smudge. I might be a shadow of a dot where the press imprinted on the page and it left a suggestion that something should be there, but it's barely discernible to the human eye. But guess what? It's all I need. I don't have to be a massive hero for God. i just got to turn up with my tiny little bit of faith. God gave me faith and I've been a steward of it. It's been bruised and battered. It's taken hits. There's been times where it's been held together with electrical tape and zip ties, but I still turned up. It's like the old farm ute at the back. It's beaten to heck, but it keeps turning up and it gets the job done. There's no real question when you turn the key. It struggles, but it gives what it has to give. It's not on us. We turn up, God turns the key, and whatever that might look like happens. The last parable sums up Jesus' teaching. And here he says, what shall we say about the kingdom of God? Or what parable should I use now to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. So he's still, this is the same teaching to the disciples as where we started. 
Okay? Like a mustard seed, smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. What's Jesus saying? God's in control. Don't worry. Turn up. Teach the gospel, which is the message that saves. Hearing the word of God matures you as a Christian in your faith. Don't allow your heart to grow hard. You grow as you hear the word. Not everyone will hear it, but that's okay. We don't need to worry. We just turn up, be faithful, sow the seed, speak the word. It doesn't need to be the latest trend. Why? Because it's not on us. He does it anyway. He includes us. He loves us. He died for us. He's a protector, saver, deliverer and redeemer. We're kidnapped by sin. He paid the ransom. He died in our place. The divider was torn. He saw our inequity and imperfection before anything even existed. And he died on the cross regardless of how much of a scumbag we are. And I use that word scumbag. It's an Irish word for a garbage bin. It's where you put all your trash from the shed. You sweep it up and you put it in the scumbag. The only thing was Christ that could quench the righteous wrath of God. And it was an offering so perfect that it wouldn't end the need for all sacrifice. What's more perfect than God? He loves us, he died for us, the worst of us, the best of us. He hung himself to the cross. So tell everyone about Jesus. Use salt and season your words. Keep speaking, keep loving and forgiving. Keep preaching the gospel. Okay? However you can with whatever you have. Even if you destroyed it a thousand times over, a nurtured, a beaten, battered faith that's broken, share the gospel because it's him that does it all. It's him that does the work. We're just called to come and then to help maybe with the harvest if we're lucky. We just turn up and our faith will grow. And it grows in this amazing thing. It says in the end here, in the last parable, the kingdom will grow into an amazing tree and all the birds will come to rest on the branches. So the kingdom will grow in this amazing thing. Just turn, just trust him and just preach his word. Don't need to have a fancy sermon. Don't need to have fancy music. Well, it doesn't matter whether I say the wrong thing. It doesn't matter whether I, God forbid, preach an incorrect interpretation. It doesn't matter whether I press the wrong keys on the piano, whether I ruin the thing there that makes everything work. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? We're turned up. We're broken not real good at a lot of stuff, like to think we are. Like to think we're pretty wise, not really. Just got to turn up and God does the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we, just, we thank you that uh, you're in control and that it, all we've got to do is listen to you and turn up and stay in contact with you and read your word. And it's as simple as that, Lord. Um, your work in us and the world will just happen and it's what's been happening so successfully for so long, Lord, and you know better than us, so thanks for including us. We love you and just ask that you continue to help us to be less of us and more of you so you can be more effective and we thank you so much for just including us. It's, it's, um, it's an honour and a privilege to walk with you and, and I have to say um, it's hard, it is going through hard times. Um, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else but you. And I certainly can't wait till the end when this flesh tent and all this sin's gone out of my life and heart. But I'm really thankful to know what that is because I've lived in this flesh tent with, with you being perfect and teaching me the right way. Just, thanks. We love you.
ask, us, ask you to bless this time together in fellowship today and if you have a feed, a coffee, drink, yarn and whatever and just ask that you continue to have your way with us and continue to, um, continue to help us to hear your word and to be um, discerning about how we share your word sensitively to people and when you say scream from the rooftops, scream from the rooftops, when you say um, just serve this person love and love we do it and we listen and we obey it and we stop listening to ourselves and we listen to you. Just ask you to help us to preach your word better. What does that look like? Well, tell us. We ask you to tell us, Lord. Walk us through it and let us hear you. Lead us by the hand. Hey, we think we're so big and growing up, but Lord, oh, you are, you are so much better and wiser. And Yeah, you understand, Lord. Just um, We don't even need to know. I don't need to know. You don't even need to tell me. Just, just lead me and I'll follow. Thank you. We love you. In your beautiful name, amen. Mm.